Hey, today we have a special privilege, a great friend of mine, uh, Lee Grady. I met him probably around five years ago. He's been, this is the third time he's been to our church. He used to be the editor of Charisma Magazine, but now he just travels all around the world, nationally, internationally speaking, uh, conferences and events, become a dear friend of mine, but he's got so much to offer, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. So can we give a big Rhodes welcome to Lee Grady? Come on, family. Come on, make him feel at home. Good morning, Rhodes Church. I want you to know that I am one of the first people to get one of your new t-shirts. And I'm going to be wearing that all over the world and, promote, and just kind of like a giant billboard for you. Um, I am so happy to be back with you. Uh, as Chad said, I've known him for about five years and I've enjoyed uh, getting to know this very unique culture that you have up here in southern Illinois. Uh, got to observe a little bit about corn days. <laughs> Trying to still figure that out a little bit. And if you haven't noticed, I am from the South. I live in Georgia. Hope you don't mind that. Um, I also, you know, I've known Chad for five years and Dawn and come here and watch them and experience their family life and but I saw a whole nother side of them this weekend because yesterday we spent the entire day at a volleyball tournament. <laughs> and I don't know if you know how your pastor uh, acts <laughs> when his daughter is on the court and it's 15 to 21 or Dawn. Totally different personality comes out than what I see on the front row of church. It's really been fun. Um, but I do want to thank you, uh, all of you Rhodes Church. Maybe you don't know that uh, your church has been uh, supporting the work that I do around the world. We do, we have, I have a missions organization called the Mordecai Project. And we specifically go into places where women are suffering from abuse and marginalization and discrimination and a lot of pain that they go through and we are building shelters and uh, a lot of other things to bring the healing of Jesus to them in different parts of the world and you have been involved in that every month and I thank you so much. Uh, I have a table out in the in the foyer with some of my books there if you want to just check that out. I have several books for men, I have books for women and I have books on the Holy Spirit that you may want to check those out. Okay, so this morning you can see what we're going to be talking about, and you see those empty chairs. Uh, I want to just warn you right now that this is not the kind of message that you want to listen to sitting by yourself. So if you are by yourself, it might be just good to go ahead and scoot over to somebody. And while you're doing that, yeah, pastor, uh, I want you to look at somebody next to you and you can poke them in the ribs if you want to and I want you to say I need you now I want you to look at that person again you can poke them again if you want and you can say you need me
Now, I know that we have quite a few young people in the room, and they may not know what this image is, and I'm about to show you, but if you'd go ahead and show that next message. <laughs> those of you, those people who are laughing uh, are older, <laughs> because they remember this ad campaign that was back in the 60s <laughs> and the 70s. Uh, this is what we call the Marlboro Man. And he was the kind of the spokesperson for Marlboro cigarettes. Whenever you saw these ads, he was always on a horse, always wore that hat. He was always out in the great outdoors somewhere out west, always had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And he was always, always alone. And the, the message that was being communicated through this ad campaign especially to men, it was a subliminal message to men, was if you really want to be the tough, strong guy, then you are by yourself. You don't need anybody else in your life. And somehow we thought that was good. <laughs> and you know, the thing is that this same uh, message is still being communicated through our media today. And I'm going to show you some of our current uh, sort of cultural icons. If you go to that next slide, and you might recognize these people. Uh, does anybody know what the common denominator here is? First of all, you have Iron Man, who flies all over the world in his metal suit, saving the world. And he does have a girlfriend, but she has like five lines in the movie. She doesn't say much. Uh, then you have Batman, who is either standing on the edge of a skyscraper at night, looking over the skyline, preparing to, to fight evil, or he's in his bat cave, and he's usually alone. Uh, then you have Han Solo, uh, and you know, we, he does have a sidekick, but you can't understand anything he says. <laughs> and then we know from the latest movies that have come out recently that he didn't do too well in his marriage, so he's back alone again. And then Superman, of course, he comes from another planet. His parents are killed. He comes here. He's, in, he's adopted into an American family, and he spends most of his time flying all over the world, saving the world. He does have, he does have a girlfriend, but that doesn't work out too well either. And then we have this girl, this new girl from Star Wars, Ray, and she is, you know, her parents are killed. Uh, she's raised by thugs, and then she's out saving the world all alone. So now we have a female superhero role model who's telling us the same thing. It's just, you know, across the board, everybody is telling us that it's better to be alone. Okay, I have an issue with that because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually tells us from Genesis to Revelation that you were created by God to be in community you were actually created to be in relationship with people, and that is actually God's will and purpose for your life. And your potential and your uh, purpose in life is really not going to be discovered until you are in that community. Is that okay for me to say that here in southern Illinois? Y'all going to have to love me now because I'm going to speak the truth to you, and the Bible says you actually have to love me. And I'm going to go to a scripture to prove that. 
By the way, we're, gonna, we're looking at some kind of basic things this morning. Some of you might say, this sounds kind of basic. This is like Christianity 101. Well, you know what I've learned? I do a lot of traveling around the world, and I've learned that we need to get back to basics. The church has forgotten the basics. Sometimes we get it so complicated, we make it so exotic and complicated, and we want to get up there in the ozone layer, and God's calling us back to the simple principles of his word. Amen? And one of those is found in this verse. In the book of John, verse 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, everybody say, by this, all men will know that you are my, my disciples if you wear the right Christian t-shirt. It's, oh, no, that's not what it says. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have the right Christian bumper sticker on your car. Or they'll know you are my disciples if you voted for the right political party. They'll know you are my disciples... If what? If you love one another. That means that people are actually going to be beating the doors down to join us when they see us loving each other. When they see the real deal. Ever wonder why not that many people are seeing that? Maybe God wants to take us to another level of love for one another. We sang this morning a song about glory to glory. Did y'all sing that? And when we say that, what are we talking about? Glory to glory. Is it just spiritual euphoria going into the third heaven and experiencing visions and dreams and the power of God? I love all that. That's wonderful. But what if God wanted to take us to another level of glory by causing us to love each other more? Not too many people said amen to that. Let me show you this verse from... The book of 1 Peter. The Apostle Peter said these words. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Everybody say sincere. sincere. Fervently love one another from the heart. That word sincere in the Greek, it means not fake without hypocrisy or genuine. And another way to say it in today's vocabulary is no drama. Because drama means putting on a mask and acting like something else. Acting. The Bible actually says, don't let your love be an act. Don't let it be fake. Let it be real. Amen? And then it says, fervently love one another from the heart. And that word fervently in the Greek actually means stretched. Have you ever had to stretch to love somebody? Are there any people in southern Illinois that stretch your love? Is there anybody at the Rhodes Church that stretches your love? Or is there, can I be real honest, is there anybody in your family that causes you to stretch your love? And you're sitting by them this morning, so don't. <laughs> or you can poke them if you want. You see, I've learned that when God wants to stretch us, 
He will actually bring brother or sister sandpaper in your life. And that irritation you feel that makes you want to run away from them, that's actually God's signal. No, you need to stay in that relationship so I can change you to be like Jesus. You don't run from difficult people. Hello? You stay there so you can grow spiritually. Amen? I'm sharing this word with you this morning because I have a concern about the church. I travel all over this country and the world, but when I'm in the American churches, I find that we have, we've, we've kind of created this very selfish Christianity that's all about us, and also it's kind of pick and choose, and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to do Christianity how I want to, and it's sort of just a solo act. And I am finding, folks, that that is absolutely not the message of the Bible. Y'all want to go with me this morning? I want to share three simple principles with you because I believe that there are even people in this room this morning who you, you may be, uh, I mean, you're here, and that's good. You're here in this room, but we tend to have this very guarded attitude about each other, especially if we've had hurts in our life. And I find some Christians that when they walk into a church, they do this. We have this force field around us, and it's like, I will come as close as this, but don't get any closer. And that's going to be hard for God to work with that. He needs us to drop that. He needs us to Decide to be biblical about relationships. Amen? So the three steps I want to share with you. Number one is that you've got to come out of hiding. You've got to make a decision that relationships are important. You've got to make a decision that you're going to be intentional about relationships. I read in the book of Acts, chapter 2, that tells us about when the Holy Spirit came in the early church, and you know, we love to read Acts chapter 2. We love to read about how the fire came, and they spoke in tongues, and flames of fire were on their heads, and they were shaking and baking and vibrating, and they were doing that thing, and that's awesome. We all love that, and we think that's the height of spirituality. But if you go to the end of Acts chapter 2, it says that after the Spirit came, it says that the early church was devoted to four things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And it says they were devoted to something called fellowship. Can we say that word together? Fellowship. fellowship. And that word in the Greek, if you'll go to that next slide, that word is the word koinonia. It's a big $10 Greek word. But do you know that that word koinonia, which means fellowship, it does not appear in the Bible until Acts chapter 2. Koinonia is not possible without the Holy Spirit. Koinonia is actually a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and fills his people, guess what? They get connected and they build relationships. And it's a supernatural bonding that happens. I'm going to show you this picture of a church that I visit a lot. I think I've been there six times. I'm going back there in November. This is a church in Puerto Rico. 
And uh, the guy in the middle is Pastor Luis, and he's one of my best friends. And this is their leadership team. Uh, but the very first time that I went to this church, uh, they invited me to speak on a Sunday morning, and they had a 10 o'clock service similar to what you guys have. And then after I spoke and they finished the service, they moved all the chairs and they brought these tables in. And then they started bringing all this Puerto, delicious Puerto Rican food. And I don't know if you've ever been around Puerto Ricans before, but they're not quiet people. And there was a lot of laughing and there was a lot of talking. And then they had all this food and they had kids. And we were laughing and eating and talking and laughing and eating and talking. And then I looked at my watch when I finally finished my last bite of food and finished my last conversation. And it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> now, I'm not saying we're going to do that today here. Unless we all go down to corn days after this. <laughs> but then Pastor Luis came over to me and he said, Hey, buddy, uh, I know you're probably tired, but if you want to, uh, some of us are going over to this guy's apartment and there's a swimming pool and we're going to hang out some more and there's going to be more food. And Do you want to come? And so I'm sure. I don't have anything else to do. I'm in Puerto Rico. And so I went there, and we laughed, and we talked, and we ate, and we laughed, and we talked, and we ate, and I looked at my watch, and it was 10 p.m. That's your typical Sunday in Puerto Rico. Devoted to fellowship. And you know, nobody wanted to leave. We were so in love with each other. We were so enjoying that connection. I want to ask you this morning, are you devoted to fellowship? Do you enjoy that? Or are you like this? Is, are, are relationships like that kind of not on your radar? You'd rather just you know, sit in front of the TV or you'd rather retreat. You'd rather get in your little man cave and hide. And the Bible is calling us out of those caves. The Bible is calling you out of your solitude because he wants to do something in your life that requires you to be with people. That's actually why we go to church. Hello. I want to show you a, a verse here. This is probably, uh, I would consider this like Christian's least favorite verse in the Bible. And sometimes pastors use this to beat people over the head to say, you should go to church. And that's not what I'm telling you this morning. It's not about going to church. But I want you to understand why we do. In Hebrews 10.25, it says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. See, there was way back then there was people who had the habit of not going. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice something about this verse. It says that, the reason we go to church is not so that you can sit in that padded chair and we can count your name and we can check you off and you were here today and you make sure that you heard the sermon. That's not the reason. That's not the main reason you were here. It says the main reason you were here is to encourage one another. And guess what? You can't do that by listening on the live stream. Hello. I mean, hello to everyone who's listening. <laughs> I know it was raining this morning. <laughs> I'm glad. I am so thankful for technology. I'm glad we can do that. I'm glad that people who can't come today 
There was whatever reason. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we had things with kids. Whatever, that's awesome. And I'm also glad that the world can watch the Rhodes Church from anywhere around the world. That's awesome. But you know what? We need you here. Not just so you can hear Pastor Chad or the great guest speaker that came from Georgia. We need you here because there are people in, the, in these chairs who need encouragement from you. And when you get ready for church, it's not just about, oh, I pray for Pastor Chad that he does a good job of speaking. Or I pray for the worship team that they do a good job of leading. No, it's about, Lord, who do you want me to minister to today? Who do you want me to encourage? Because we're hurting if you're not a part of this. Hello? And some of you are sitting there going, "Mm -mm. don't even suggest it. I come and I sit and I leave and I make a beeline for that door when it's over. But you know what? God is saying, come on out. Come out out of hiding. I know that that's not what you naturally feel bent toward. But guess what? If you want to be like Jesus and you want to grow, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to go to the next level of glory in your relationship with God, you got to come out of hiding. Are y'all okay with me? Do you love me? You have to. (laughs) Number two, my next point. You must let go of your hurts. How many singles do we have in the room this morning? Raise your hand if you're single. Raise your hands high. If you are single, there's more singles in the second service than there are in the first, I have learned. Look around. You can see each other. I'm not matchmaking or anything. Thank you. I minister to a lot of single adults, and I, I mentor a lot of young men, and I work with guys who are getting to that age where it's like, okay, guy, come on, buddy. You know, you're, you're 30. Uh, you're still living at home. Uh, what gives? Come on. Are you ready? To take the plunge. Are you ready to get married? And the guy will usually say, yeah, I really want. There's this girl, and she's at church. She's so cute. I really would like to ask her out. And I'm like, so? What gifts? He's like, well, I'm just kind of hesitant, scared. So I kind of bore down a little bit deeper and find out, yeah, let me ask you, what happened? And then I find out almost every time the reason why that guy is afraid to ask that girl to Starbucks or wherever you guys go in Southern Illinois for coffee. <laughs> Pastor Chad told me you have to drive to Evansville for a Starbucks. <laughs> Wherever you're going to take her, why is it that you haven't been able to do that? And I always find out it's because that guy had his heart broken by some girl before. And so he is less inclined to take that risk. And can I tell you, everybody, this is what I have learned, a very simple principle for everybody in here who's single and, you're, and you want to date and you want to find that life partner, guess what I have learned? Relationships always, always require risk. There is no way that you can get some kind of waiver that there's no possibility that your little heart's not going to get broken. In that relationship, there's always, always the risk of getting hurt. And guess what? It's the same way in church. There is no way you can go to a church 
that is full of human beings who are all sinners, even though they're blood-washed, even though they are Christians, even though they have the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean they are not going to hurt you. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee you they will. And if your attitude is, Christians have hurt me in the past, pastors have hurt me in the past, church people have hurt me in the past, so I've just decided I'm not going to let them get any closer than this. If that is your attitude and you're going out looking for the perfect church where you can't get hurt, here's the thing. As soon as you join that church, it will not be perfect anymore. Because you are also a fallen person, a sinner, and you also have the potential to hurt people. Is that true? So, if I did a show of hands this morning, who in here has been hurt? This is what I think we should put in the parking lot of every church in America. I think we need to put up this sign. I think we need to warn people. There's human beings in this place. Don't freak out if somebody gives you a funny look or somebody offends you or somebody says something hateful or somebody hurts your feelings on social media. Somebody doesn't like your post. Somebody doesn't like the photo that you posted 500 times. And you get your little feelings hurt. This is what we need to admit and we need to embrace this. That when we come to church, there is going to be the risk of getting hurt. You cannot use that hurt as an excuse to pull back from relationships. In fact, the Bible always, always steers us to one place. I feel like there's so many signs pointing to this verse in Ephesians. If you'd go to this next slide, there's a wonderful verse in Ephesians. I think we should all memorize this because every one of us has to go back to this place. When we get hurt, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all, everybody say all, All. bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Amen. Amen. That's where we have to go. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to direct us to this place. And if you have been hurt in a, I don't care if it was through your parents, if it was in a dating relationship, if it was in a marriage that ended or a marriage that you're in now or a previous marriage or it was a pastor or somebody in your connect group or somebody in church that sat next to you, no matter what it is, we always have to go back to this. And we have to forgive. And forgive means we let go. We don't hold on to the hurts anymore. This morning during the worship time, you saw that they put up some words of knowledge about some things that people needed prayer for. And I was quick to notice that one of those words that somebody got this morning for this service was that people had a fence in their heart. It wasn't a sickness that was mentioned. It was actually a fence. But you know what? A fence is a sickness. A fence will eat you alive. And a fence will cause you to keep God's people at a distance. 
to protect yourself. And this morning, God sent a guy from Georgia. He talks a little funnier than you. He sent me to tell you that you've got to let go of those hurts. Because he wants to take you deeper with God. And he also wants to take this church deeper together as a community. And we're going to have to let go of our hurts if we're going to do that. Are you all okay with that? Go to point number three. We're going to have to open our hearts again. One thing I have learned about relationships is that the love of God is not just a cold doctrine. It's not just something we read about in the Bible. The love of God, actually, you actually feel it. And God actually created you with a need for affection. And he created you with the capacity to give affection. And fervent love from God is not just cold and clinical. It's actually warm and it's actually slobbery. Hello? I want to hear your reaction when I show you this next picture. What, what, what does everybody do when you see that? I don't know why, but this morning I showed that picture in the first service and everybody said the same thing. Oh, why do we do that? Why do you have that awe reaction when you see a little ball-headed baby's head? <laughs> it's because you were created in the image of God, and God is an affectionate God, and he created you with that capacity to love. And when you, somebody puts a little baby in your arms, you don't just, I love you. <laughs> what do you do? You just, mm. That's what you want to do. I have grandchildren. I do that. I kiss every square inch of their head. Because God created us with the capacity to show affection. And when God wanted to reveal the love of the Father, when Jesus was on this earth and he was teaching us who the Father is, the way that he did that was he told us the story of, of the prodigal son and his father. And when that prodigal son was coming back to his father, do you remember what the father did? The father didn't just stand there and go, come to me, my son. I love you. No. The Bible says he ran to the son. And then he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. That's the love of our heavenly father. The love of God is slobbery. The love of God is fervent. The love of God is demonstrated. It's not just held back. God, how many of you are thankful that God doesn't hold back his love from us? Some of you need to know that. That God doesn't do that to you, so why would you want to do that to others? He wants to lavish us with his amazing love. Amen? If I were to tell you that there's a verse in the New Testament that appears five different times in different places in the same words, do you think that would be important? Hmm? You, better, you better know what I'm going to say before you say, yeah. These words appear in the Bible five different places. In, they appear in Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, and 1 Peter. These words. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And you're going. (laughs) 
Because in southern Illinois, we have some personal space, right? And Bible scholars have actually explained all this away. They do a very good job of that. And they go, well, you know, that was back in those days. That was the culture of the time. And, of course, also Paul was, Paul was writing to Italians. <laughs> do we have any Italians in the room today? No? I guess I have to go to Chicago for the Italians. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Really? That sounds kind of extreme. That sounds not like Southern Illinois. That doesn't sound like America. Now, I go to countries where people are very lavish in their affection. Puerto Rico being one of them, where you get kissed not once but twice on both sides of the face. And, and by the way, before we get you know, too far with this, just remember this is holy kiss. But why is that in Scripture five times? I think personally we've missed out. I believe that we have we've, we've done this long enough to where the love of God is just something that we kind of, it's a doctrine. Oh, yeah, we love each other. But we don't allow each other to get in our personal space anymore because we've been hurt too many times. And we've closed our hearts and we become very clinical and very professional about how we show our love for each other. And I want to challenge the Rhodes Church this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe God wants to turn up our love. I believe he wants our love to be more fervent. I believe he wants our love to even be more slobbery. And some of y'all are going... You can tell me that all day, and I ain't going to do it. But I want us to understand the miracle that the Holy Spirit has done by connecting us. In fact, I want to invite this morning uh, Pastor Chad and, and Pastor Kyle to come up. I want to just do a little demonstration. I'm not demonstrating the kiss, by the way. I told the first service, Chad is so tall, I can't kiss him anyway. It's he has to bend down. Now, I met Pastor Chad five years ago, and he, we connected first. I think it was through emails or calls. But when we met, there was a connection that happened. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you met a Christian, and they were not from your uh, church, or maybe you just met them on a trip, or maybe they were even from another culture, but as soon as you met them, you felt like you'd known them all your life. Has that ever happened? That is the miracle of koinonia, because the Holy Spirit in you connects with the, part that the, with the Holy Spirit in them, and it's what the Bible calls a spiritual bond. And God actually created us for those bonds. He wants us to experience that. Now, the first time I came to this church, I also met Kyle, and there was a bond there. And so this is how this is supposed to work with us, that when we get connected in the church, the Bible says that we are bonded together and that each joint supplies. We're like a body. We're not just cells floating around independently of one another. God actually joins us together. Amen? And so when I get connected to my brothers and my sisters, then I also have a support network. 
So if I start sliding around or I start, I start drifting or the winds start blowing my life, guess what? My brothers and sisters are going to actually be stabilizing influences in my life, and I'm not going to get out of line. I'm going to be supported. How many of you appreciate that? Yeah, good. And then if I start sinking and getting discouraged or getting depressed and I start, Ugh, I'm about to faint, guess what? Those guys are going to hold me up. And they're doing it effortlessly <laughs> because they work out. <laughs> now, I could just do this and just be, I'm done. I'm done with this. Pastor Chad, I mean, I walked out that door last week. He didn't even speak to me. And then, you know, Kyle, I mean, I posted that thing on Facebook and he didn't like it. And then he wrote some, some comment. You know, and I'm just, I'm done with this. That's how we are. And in this, what I call the age of outrage, have y'all noticed we are living in the age of outrage? Everybody has their pulpit on social media, and then we, we want to spew whatever we want to say, and we've got this huge opportunity to just offend everybody, and so everybody's mad. And we're all like this. The Holy Spirit's not happy with that. We've got to get reconnected. I want everybody in this room to stand up and I want you to lock arms with the person next to you. And if there's gaps, I want you to actually cross over the aisles. Don't let there be any divisions. The Bible says there should be no divisions among you. Go all the way across. And if somebody is challenged and they need to sit down, you go over to them. Because we're supposed to honor one another. Now, listen up, everybody. I want you to squeeze those bonds hard. Just don't break any bonds. And if y'all want to try to sink and do this thing. Yeah. I knew the young people would do it. Now, doesn't that feel good? Do you know that you actually look better this way? You look a whole lot better together than you do when people are sitting all separated from each other. I've noticed how sometimes Christians will walk into a church and for some reason they grab the back seat first. You ever notice that? Because we want to like stay away from each other. Hey, if you do that, I understand. I understand if you've been hurt. But this morning, the Holy Spirit is trying to speak so clearly to us that we don't, He doesn't want us to stay in that place of hurt or bitterness. Amen? He doesn't want us to stay in that place of isolation. He wants us to embrace true koinonia and let the bonds of the Holy Spirit be strengthened. This, what we are experiencing right now, these bonds, is just as spiritual as speaking in tongues. That's good. That's good. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love the anointing of the Spirit. I like to shake and bake and saturate just like the rest of you. But I find a lot of charismatic Christians who love all that and then they're living in bitterness and isolation. And that is grieving the Spirit of God. Hello? Now, 
I want you to just let go of the arms. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so honored that we get to be a part of what God is doing in and through your life. If you would like for us to partner with you in prayer, you can click the prayer link in the description below. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with us to continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description below to give now. If you're new here or you like this sermon, consider subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can also hear the road sermons on our website and our podcast. Thanks for watching.